This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. With the Premier League campaign currently suspended, the league and its stakeholders are set for a meeting on Thursday the 19th of March to discuss the best way to proceed. I'm Guy Clark and welcome here to the Blood Red podcast. Ahead of the meeting, having heard the arguments for and against any which way the season could be drawn to a conclusion, we're here with something a little bit different. We've heard the reasonings, of course, why Liverpool should be crowned champions, having amassed an incredible 82 points from 29 games winning 27, drawing just once and losing only once as well. But what about the rest of the league? Well, here on Blood Red, we've had a quick scout around three clubs in different areas of the Premier League table and to see what they're hoping will come of the meeting of Premier League stakeholders. We'll check in on the reigning champions Man City and hear why a return of domestic football could help their case on the continental stage whenever, of course, European football resumes. Sheffield United under the straight-talking Chris Wilder are fighting for a European finish in their first season back in the top flight since 2007. And what about those down at the bottom? Would Aston Villa rather a null and void season or pull off a fight for survival to be remembered in years to come? Well, all of that coming up right here on the Blood Red Channel. We start the top end of the Premier League then and joining us to bring us the Man City perspective on things is the Manchester Evening News' senior football writer Tyrone Marshall. Tyrone, thanks for joining us. How are you? Uh, yes, I'm, uh, I'm very well. I'm uh, working from home and, uh, and missing company at the moment, but other than that, I'm, uh, I'm doing all right. Yeah, we're all in isolation and having to, to make do. But in terms of the Premier League, then it was suspended. Obviously, the, the, the first game actually that was affected due to the uh, coronavirus outbreak, of course, was Man City's rearranged yeah. game with Arsenal ha- having obviously reached the, the Carabao Cup final. That one was called off, the trickle effect that then obviously all played out. We're less than a week after Premier League football's been suspended. And now we're obviously awaiting what will come out of the uh, the meeting between all of the uh, the stakeholders tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like I say, it's it's very surreal times. Um, City are in probably a unique position in that they're they've they've had an extra game called off as well, with that Arsenal game being called off in the middle of the night. Really, um, that was when things really started to to go, you know, to to take a turn. Um, and so they've got a lot of games to catch up. They're still in the FA Cup, still in the Champions League. So from a City point of view, still a lot of games to to fit in if and when the the season resumes. But like I say, that that. Um, that Arsenal game was the moment I think things started to, to change and it started to turn towards a resolution that, that was going to see the Premier League suspended. Yeah, and obviously City are the club that Liverpool have great eyes on in terms of games and points needed from Manchester City effectively to, to, to not get for Liverpool to be crowned champions. And I just wondered sort of what the, the viewpoint was from the Manchester City side of things in terms of Premier League football getting back underway because as much as they don't want to see their, their title taken away from them as Premier League champions I'm sure like any club they do want the season to be completed yeah definitely and the, you know there's I mean for, for City the Premier League it is pretty much over really um, they're comfortable in second they're not going to catch Liverpool so there's not a great deal on the Premier League for them but there is still other objectives for for City and one's not going to happen without the other so they're still in the FA Cup quarterfinals they could still you know, they, they could win the FA Cup and add it to the Carabao Cup and kind of continue their domestic domination in the Cups at least. They're still in the Champions League and had that fantastic result at Real Madrid. So 
that they've kind of building up a bit of, or they had been building up a bit of momentum in Europe. Um, probably favourites for the Champions League now. There's always going to be tough games in Europe, but it was kind of shaping up to be maybe City's best chance of, of winning the Champions League. And obviously, there's uncertainty over their participation in it again next season. So th- there's obvious reasons why City would want the football season to resume. Um, their their place in the Premier League is, you know, they're they're less concerned about that, but but. One, like you said, one can't resume without the other. And Guardiola sees those games. He, he always mentions this word rhythm, and he, he sees those games as important for kind of getting his team in in top form. And and you know, playing three games or playing every three days is is vital for getting his players ready for the real big Champions League games. So, yeah, I think I think City would want it to resume and, and would want to try and get back into into Champions League football as well and, and have a real shot at winning that competition. Yeah, certainly. We'll, we'll talk about the European front very shortly, but just on the domestic front, because obviously this meeting Premier League football, but I mean, we've had calls from the likes of Karen Brady wanting the whole season expunged. And just wondering, even from a Manchester City point of view, you mentioned the games, and I know it wasn't a Premier League game, but a Carabao Cup tie with Manchester United where Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola basically laid down the blueprint for what he went and did away at Real Madrid. And I suppose... City do want those games, as you say, for the rhythm. But if this season were to be expunged, yes, it would mean that City is still champions of England. But they have prided themselves a lot, as you say, on winning these domestic competitions. And all of a sudden, you could have an unprecedented step where they've won the League Cup. That competition's been completed. Yet if the season were expunged, surely that means that all competitions and winners are. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's, it is a very strange dilemma that we find ourselves in. It is, yeah. Like you say, it's difficult to know whether the what would happen with that that competition. Um, whether they'd say it's completed, so that's fine, or whether they'd say everything's null and void. Um, I just think there's so many complications to declaring the season void in terms of, you know, not not just with the title race, which is almost a red herring, really. Liverpool are so far ahead, but with promotion and relegation further down the football league, with broadcast deals and things like that. That I think we're in a position where we almost have to give the the league as long as possible to, to try and, and finish so like I said there's, there's so many unknowns and no one's really asked the question about if it if it was voided what would happen to the Carabao Cup but you know City City have prided themselves on winning as many trophies as possible Guardiola's always played strong teams in the Carabao Cup um, or, or certainly stronger than, than a lot of his rivals so and then they'd see the FA Cup certainly is very winnable and the Champions League possibly too so there are certainly serious incentives for, for City to, to get the season back on track, if at all possible. Yeah, we know that City have had a rocky relationship with UEFA. And of course, they've mentioned UEFA, how they'd like the seasons to be completed by the, the technical season end date of the, the 30th of June. That perhaps may seem a bit ambitious right now. We'll, we'll obviously have to wait and see how things wider than football do unfold. But in terms of... City and UEFA and that relationship for the season to to finish and the Champions League to be played out. UEFA have spoken about all different opportunities and they say they've got a task force working on how to conclude it, should it be possible. But Man City, obviously, with this threat of not playing in European competition for a couple of years hanging over them, City would like nothing more than to to complete the, the Champions League journey and probably go out with a win, wouldn't they? Uh, definitely, yeah. You know, it's always been the, the fans may have a um, uncertain relationship with with UEFA, which uh, put it nicely, probably a toxic relationship, really. And from from the documents we've seen from the Club Arbitration for Sport so far, it's clear that relations between the club and UEFA are, are pretty strained as well. But it's still a competition that that City, the club, are desperate to win. It's a competition that that Guardiola is desperate to win. He's 
he's always said that his time at City will fundamentally be judged on success in Europe or not. And, you know, it's a competition he 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 loves and he, he really wants to win. Obviously, he's not won it since Barcelona days. And there's, there's kind of been a few questions asked ridiculously of his record in it um, recently. But th- this was shaping up to be possibly their best chance with, with Liverpool going out, with City having won in Madrid and got such a good result. So there's definitely incentives there for them to, to get the Champions League back on track. And I mean, we don't, we don't, there's just, again, there's so many uncertainties over the, the ban and whether it kicks in next year. I mean, we don't really know when next season's Champions League is going to start yeah. at the moment. They've obviously appealed. There's no in-person hearings at Court of Arbitration for Sport until at least May the 1st, I think. So it's probably looking unlikely you're going to get an appeal in in time for next season's Champions League, presuming it starts around July or August. So they might well be in it regardless next year. They could yet win that appeal. So there's, I mean, there's, along with everything else in football at the moment, there's so many uncertainties with that. But, but before this happened, I think certainly there's probably a growing confidence at City that it, it could be their year in Europe, given how well they played in Madrid. Just thinking from from a wider sort of city point, and more, more I suppose a bit more of a niche point for City, if the season were to go beyond obviously June the thirtieth, which is when players' contracts run out, and City are in the Champions League, and if that is to drag into any summer months, we've heard an awful lot about this being David Silva's last year at Manchester mm. City. I just wonder, thinking about it, how that would play out because he's been such a massive part of this journey ever since. Obviously, the takeovers happened, being one of those first marquee players to come in from Valencia. I think it was 2010 when, when he came in, and he, he's been there all along. I'm sure he'd love to see the journey through if he could, but he, he's going to be one of a number of players who are sent into turmoil with all of this contract situation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that is one of the big unknowns at the moment and, and what's going to happen um, with, uh, with those contracts. I mean, with Silver, it's probably a little bit different in that he's he's leaving the club. I don't think he's got anything else lined up at the moment, but the expectation is he's he's probably going to head to Japan or, or somewhere like that, and kind of a, a a lesser a lesser quieter league for um, for one final payday and a nice retirement. But I think if the season dragged on, then he's probably City are probably in a good place, and he's in a good place to be able to sign, you know, a two week, three week, one month extension if required to to be able to finish the campaign with City. Obviously, other players might not have that um, possibility if they've agreed deals elsewhere or, or if they're just not wanted by the club. So that, that June 30th contract issue is is a big one and a big impediment to finishing the season beyond then. Um, but with with Silva, he would... I mean, if the season was going on for another month, then I would imagine City would would happily give him another month on his, on his current terms and I would imagine he'd be very happy to sign it as well. Well, Tyro, thanks a lot for, for joining us, giving us the, the lowdown on obviously how City are shaping up going into this Premier League meeting. And it'll be interesting to obviously see how things all play out. Yes, definitely. Well, interesting times. Tyrone Marshall, senior football writer at the MEN, ahead of the Premier League meeting to discuss the best way to move forward with domestic top flight football during this current predicament we find ourselves in. Well, more to come after this. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Having discussed the top end of the table, time to drop down into the fight for European football. 
Of course, Liverpool have already secured their place in the Champions League for next season, whenever that may be. But one side currently in the mix is Sheffield United. Nathan Hemingham is the Sheffield United reporter for Yorkshire Live and joins us now to talk about the Blades. Nathan, thanks for your time. And I suppose for Sheffield United, a first season back in the top flight for almost a decade and a half in touching distance of a European-placed finish. It's been some story. Yeah, it's, it's been an unbelievable season, hasn't it? Especially when you look at the, uh, in the face of so much sort of punditry tipping Sheffield United to struggle uh, this season. Um, obviously, you know, United have come from uh, League One to the Premier League in just four years. So, you know, not many people gave Chris Wilder and the players any chance whatsoever of, of being anything other than a side that's going to be spending all season you know, avoiding trying to avoid relegation and, and competing at that end of the table. So, for them to be where they are in the season, uh, in the table uh, up there in the top seven, I mean, it's. I won't go as far as to say it's as big an achievement as Leicester winning the Premier League, but in terms of Premier League achievements, if Sheffield United were able to qualify as a newly promoted Championship team for Europe this season, that would have to be one of the biggest Premier League achievement. So, you know, it's been a huge, huge season for United. Yeah, and I suppose it's one of those as well with Sheffield United that you pinch yourselves finding yourself in seventh as it is right now in the table. But regardless of whether Manchester City would be allowed to play in European competition next season or not, and whether the Champions League opens up to fifth place, of which at the moment the Blades are just two points behind Manchester United, they're only actually five points off Chelsea with a game in hand as the season stood, obviously, when it got suspended. Absolutely, you know. <clears throat> I mean, the, the Man City suspension has been great for United because, and obviously Man City winning the League Cup as well because it's just put those European places. And I, I don't think Sheffield United fans are being greedy and, and necessarily wanting Champions League. You know, Europa League football would still mark the most amazing season in Sheffield United history because they've never qualified for European competition before. You know, you have to go back all the way back to Tony Curry in the 1970s since Sheffield United were anywhere near a top six or seven top flight team. So, um, you know, the fact that all these possibilities regarding European football are available to United shows you, uh, you know, just how well they've done this season. And, and, And they are, everybody is pinching themselves a little bit. But also, to be fair to Chris Wilder and everybody, they're there on merit. You know, they've been up there pretty much all season. It's not like they've just had a, a three-game burst just before the, uh, the, the the season was suspended and they've just suddenly come into the picture. They've been there all season on merit, you know. Only Liverpool have conceded fewer goals than Sheffield United. Since September, only four teams have beaten Sheffield United and three of those were Man City and Liverpool. Um only Bayern Munich have conceded fewer goals than Sheffield United across Europe's top five leagues in 2020. So this is not a team that's, you know, had a, a little bit of a flurry recently and they're up there and no one's thinking, oh, they've got no chance. This is a team that on merit are, have been up there all season long uh, and they're, they're not showing any sign whatsoever that this is just a little, you know, the usual, which everybody was predicting at the start of the season, weren't they? Oh, you know, it's the the adrenaline of getting promoted to the Premier League. That'll soon wear off. It hasn't. Sheffield United have only got stronger and stronger as the season's gone on. And their full value for where they are in the league right now. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and 
the stats you reeled off there were absolutely incredible, which you don't consider. And as you say, it, it isn't just the adrenaline of coming into the division, getting a great start that we've seen so often in Premier League campaigns, certainly of, of recent times. Teams coming into the Premier League from the Championship, building up somewhat of a buffer in the first half of the season and then dropping with a parachute down the table as the season goes on. Sheffield United have continued to, to punch well above their weight. And of course, at the turn of the year, when they came to Anfield, training on Stanley Park before the game, Chris Wilder, a man himself who spent some of his formative years growing up in and around Liverpool, the likes of Jack O'Connell and John Lundstrom as well. They they are a side that it's fair to say a number of our listeners and viewers on Blood Red, but also wider Liverpool fans sort of take quite a, a liking to Sheffield United. The way in which Chris Wilder, he's no frills. He, he really wants his side to run hard, work hard in every game that they play. And if they don't, it doesn't matter if they're even up against one of the top sides, he'll let them know. Yeah, I'd like to think that uh, Sheffield United have won a lot of fans this season, not just in terms of the media and the way they've managed to turn their opinions around after, obviously, what they were tipping at the start of the season. And there's no animosity there with the fact that everybody tipped United to get relegated. You know, there's there's there's, there's nothing like that. Everybody expects that a championship team is going to is going to struggle because of the huge gulf now between Premier League and Championship. So there, there, there was nothing sort of wrong with people tipping United. But I feel like they've won a lot of people over this season, not just the pundits and the media, but fans as well, because United do play some lovely football. You know, they you can sometimes get pigeonholed as a team because of your history. And, and Sheffield United, when they were in the Premier League on the two previous occasions under Neil Warnock and Dave Bassett, they were very much regarded as sort of a long ball, puff and puff team from... From uh, from Yorkshire, who you know work hard to to get their points, but Chris Wilder uh, under Chris Wilder, they're playing some absolutely lovely stuff. They're playing, you know, as you know, as, as has been well documented, three centre halves, two of which overlap down the wing. Now, if that was Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola doing that, you know, we'd be talking about how they are reinventing the wheel and sort of revolutionising football. That's how well. Chris Wilder and Alan Nill are doing down at Bramall Lane. They're playing a style of play that no one else in world football plays. It's taken the Premier League by storm. And I think they're winning a lot of admirers for that. But obviously, Chris Wilder himself, everybody loves a type of manager like Chris who wears his heart on his sleeve. He doesn't do interviews with his textbook answers. You know, he answers questions from his heart. You know, he doesn't think about them. He answers them from his heart. A lot of fans can relate to everything he says. But... He's a bit of a what you class as an old school manager with modern values. So he's he's not, you know, he, he he makes it clear time and time again that no matter how much the game of football changes, you you still have to compete to win a football match. You still have to win tackles to win a football match. You still have to put a shift in to win a football matches. And I think sometimes managers nowadays they forget those side of things and they try and focus too much on the you know the intricacies of football, but with Chris Wilder, he makes sure that the fundamentals are in place first and foremost. And that's what fans like about him. The fact that they know that no matter who they play, you know, even when you speak then about Liverpool and when they went to Anfield at, at Christmas, Chris Wilder went there for a win. You know, he, d- he didn't do what most um, managers do when they go to top clubs and try and sit back. You know, they've gone to Arsenal and got a point and they should have won. They've gone to Tottenham and got a point and should have won. They came back from 2-0 down at Chelsea you know, they've, they gave Man City and Liverpool a real run for their money at home. Um, 
and that's the way sort of Chris Wilder's playing. You know, he, he puts the values in place that have been, you know, something that fans recognise, but also his formation and tactics that he's playing now. Uh, you know, they're so modern, they're so uh, inventive that um, he's taking the Premier League by storm a little bit. And I, I'm really delighted for him that he's picked up so many admirers. Yeah, certainly. He, he really has picked up an awful lot of admirers. But last question then, Nathan, for you in terms of the meeting that the Premier League are due to hold on Thursday regarding the resumption and when perhaps that may be and how the uh, the league can come to, to a close. What are the, the thoughts and feelings over that side of the Pennines on how Sheffield United hope, obviously, this season is resolved? Well, I know a lot of people have had their say, you know, uh, surprisingly, as I'm sure you've been aware, that um, a lot of teams at the bottom, uh, Karen Brady and co, are calling for the season to be null and void. Sheffield United have been very clever in, and, and very respectful in keeping their counsel and allowing the Premier League to just crack on with the decisions they have to make. I think the feeling in Sheffield is that, you know, they're not, they're not being greedy and pushing for the season to finish after 28 games and make everything stand just because they're in a European position. Uh, they're definitely not wanting a null and void season because they feel like 28 games is a long way to go. There's a lot at stake, not just for themselves, but even like Leicester, for example, in a Champions League spot. Liverpool, after 30 years on the verge of a title, teams up and down the country in relegation and promotion positions. So, the sort of feeling down at Bramwell Lane is that they just want the season to resume and for everybody to be given the chance to finish the season. And then what will be, will be. You know, if after 38 games, you know, they manage to resolve the season, wherever the teams are in the division is wherever they are. You know, they just want the, the season to be allowed to conclude so that they can see if they can continue this amazing season that they're on. Um, and I think the meeting with UEFA on Tuesday has given a lot of hope to Sheffield United fans that now that that's not taking place, the Europa 2020, maybe the Premier League's now been given a little bit more of a window to try and fit these games in. And from Sheffield United's point of view, they're just really keen to make sure that this season doesn't end now because they're on the verge of their greatest ever season. Um, they're 10 games away from it and they just want the opportunity to try and finish that really. And if after 38 games they haven't achieved it, then you know, no one takes anything away from them. And, 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 you know, it is what it is because you've played the full season, but at least allow them to try and finish that season and achieve what would be their greatest ever season. That's sort of the mentality down here. Well, Nathan, thanks an awful lot for, for taking the call and having a chat with us here on Blood Red. Really do appreciate it. No problem, Guy. Take care. Thank you. Nathan Hemingham of Yorkshire Live with what it'd mean to Sheffield United to have a conclusion to the Premier League season. So, so far, we have heard from a Man City point of view and also Sheffield United. And it would appear that Karen Brady and West Ham's idea of a null and void season is a lone view right now. But one club who may be happy with the season effectively just being replayed uh, any like West Ham in a relegation battle. And to give us that side of the argument, it's a pleasure to say Dan Rollinson from the Claret and Blue podcast is with us on Blood Red. Dan, given that Aston Villa was sitting 19th when the Premier League was suspended, I imagine the appetite for continuing the campaign is rather different down there as to what it is up here on Merseyside. 
Oh, I assume so. Yeah, I think it's um, it's probably very easy for us to sit here as as Villa fans and go, yeah, let's just void the season. Let's not let's not play football ever again, and uh, we'll start again fresh next year with with the same teams back in the Premier League. Um, it's easy to say that, but I think the the football fan inside me thinks that if you've started the league, you've got to finish it. You can't just it'd be unprecedented, wouldn't it, to to just to write the league off and say we're everyone's back to zero and we start again next season? Because also I, I, I saw this on Twitter earlier today. Um, if we're in a position to say right, let's start a fresh league, surely we're in the same position to finish the existing league. So why would we have to avoid it? If that makes sense. If we're ready to start a fresh season from zero in September or whatever, why can't we just wait till then and finish the current season in September before we move on to starting a new one and just let's finish it properly and keep everything legitimate and, and then start again fresh after that? Yeah, that would make sense. Obviously, UEFA coming out and saying that the 30th of June is the preferred date that they'd like to see the season come to an end because that is the end date for every season, the 30th of June before July yeah. the 1st marks the start of the next season. But obviously <clears throat> this situation we find ourselves, there's sort of no end in sight right now as to when football will resume. But one option that has obviously been mooted before the suspension came in that was very quickly sort of brushed under the carpet was the option of playing behind closed doors. I just wonder what the sort of feel towards Aston Villa's point of view of that would be because we know how historic Villa Park is we know how momentous mm. the Holt end is and if you're a side in a relegation battle one thing that you can certainly have going for you is playing games at home especially if you've got a ground as iconic as Villa Park Yeah our away form has been horrendous this year I mean our home form hasn't been much better but you know, obviously we're better at home than we are away uh, so you, we were looking at our fixture running a couple of weeks ago before the season was suspended and go, All right, these are the guys we've got at home. This is where we think our points might come from if we're to stay up. Um, you look at, you know, we've got some, we had some, I say we've got some tough games at home, but we don't know if these games are going to be played. So we had the likes of Man United and Arsenal and um, I think Crystal Palace. And you look at those and think, right, there's a few games in, in that running where the home form will be key. We'll get the fans will get behind us and, and that's where we'll find our points. Um, playing behind closed doors would be very strange. There's, there was a few games played behind closed doors, weren't there, in the, in the Europa League, I think, that it just didn't look the same. You saw there was a goal, a great goal scored, and you just look around, there's no one there to celebrate it. And I, I don't know, I, I don't like the idea of a football as a, you know, it's a, there's a community element to football, isn't there, that no one gets to, to take part in that would, would be quite sad. So, I think if you if you're going to play the games, you have to play them in in the in the usual manner. Whenever that whenever that is, whenever we're allowed to get back in in society and, and reconnect with people, that's when the football season comes back and everyone kind of moves on together. Um, I think the the fan atmosphere part is interesting because you'd you you know it's the twelfth man, isn't it? The, the home crowd you've we've, you've got forty two thousand at Villa Park to to get behind the boys, and that is a massive factor. And I've spoken to players in the past. And, and they say how much that the crowd does make a difference to to helping you lift your game and things like that. So, yeah, playing behind behind closed doors would be would be strange. And I think to postpone the season until we can all get back inside a stadium together is definitely the the preferred option. Yeah, and obviously with the whole season for Aston Villa as well. I mean, when the, the league was suspended on 25 points, only two points from safety. Yes, Aston Villa's goal yeah. difference is worst off because of the amount of goals conceded. But if Villa are good for one thing as well, it is scoring a few goals. And yeah. this could be, I suppose, for Villa, say the season were to have 
been played out as it normally would have done. Had Villa stayed up on the final day of the season by outscoring a side 4-3 maybe at Villa Park on the final day. I don't know if the, the last game of the season was due to take place at Villa Park, but but if it were and that were the situation, reaching a League Cup final, survival in the Premier League on the last day in a first season back, it would have pretty much all right things in between may not have all been pretty along the way but it would have been a fantastic season and a fantastic moment for Aston Villa so there must surely be that feeling of hopefully football can return with fans in the ground and that situation and scenario can still play out yeah I think when the season started and we played Tottenham on the first day and went one went one nil up we were kind of like oh my god we might actually be all right this season we we might have a comfortable kind of you know 12th 13th place finish and, and have a nice season um, obviously it soon transpired that wasn't going to be the case and we were going to be around the, the bottom three for most of the season and so you do sit there and go right if we finish 17th that, that is a success for Villa this year and we go on next year and we build on for the future You know, being in the Premier League and being part of that um, set of big boys and getting getting that financial re- reward is, is massive in football now and, and you need that to you know, to be able to build something. And I think with the owners that we've got, they want to spend money, but there's the, the financial restrictions and all the rest of it. So staying in the Premier League is massive and uh, would be massive for, for Villa in, in the future. The League Cup final was a nice bonus. It was it was, it was a nice day out to go to Wembley regardless of the result. And to be fair, we, we played all right. Uh, considering it was Man City, only to come away 2-1, we'd have kind of all gone, well, Villa have been decent there to only come away with a 2-1 defeat when most people would have looked at it and gone, oh, that's going to be 6 or 7 nil. Um, so yeah, it, it, to 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 start to get to the League Cup final and stay up would be a fantastic season for Villa. I think if you at the start of the season, some people might have said, oh, "Well, you know, we should be pushing for the top half or fifteenth and above or whatever it is," and, and you know, being around the bottom three isn't good enough. But ultimately, as long as you stay in that that Premier League pack for the following season and and can be in a position where you can build something with your club that is the main thing these days as much as you know it's not great to only look at the the monetary side of things and and uh, and kind of hold your hat on that it is important to be in the Premier League so to stay in the Premier League get to the League Cup final kind of be able to then start to build something it would be massive because I kind of looked at this year as we weren't kind of meant to go down if you believe in fate and stuff like that you know we've got a good group of players now I like Dean Smith as manager Jack Grealish as captain you've got Tyra Mings Tom Heat and all these all these characters that you you look at the squad and you like them as players and you like them as people this was kind of this year was supposed to be the start of us building something new uh, get promoted last year stay in the Premier League spend a bit of money and then eventually make your way back up to to competing for that top six at some point in the future if Villa were to go down this year when football comes back or if they decide that the, the, the season stays as is and we all go down <laughs> because we're in the bottom three now that would be a massive blow to the club and, and we'd lose a lot of players the manager would get sacked all these different things I kind of felt like Villa were at the beginning of a new era now so the fact that this whole thing has come about where football is suspended and no one really knows what's going on is it's just a very strange time and the more I kind of have sat and thought about it and done videos and podcasts over the last week or so the more it's kind of hit me like how weird this whole situation is and I just kind of want it to go away now and everything to return back to normal. Yeah, you're not wrong there, Dad. I think we all want it to, to go back to normal. But thanks a lot for, for joining us on the, the Blood Red podcast and to give us the, no uh, the feel of what's going on at Villa Park. Thanks for having me.
Dan Rollinson with the Aston Villa take on the situation ahead of the Premier League meeting. Well, remember to keep across all the going-ons on the Liverpool Echo website. Blood Red will, of course, endeavour to bring you the latest news, views and reaction where possible. Analyzing Anfield will be with you as well on Thursday, all things permitting. But until next time, thank you for your time and, of course, your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.